the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Put on your seatbelts, everybody. Put on your food belts. Oh, no, it's not that time of year again. No, it can't be. It can't be. Tell me, pinch me. Tell me it's not here. It's the most fattening time of the year With that pumpkin pie filling and everyone swilling down eggnog and beer It's the most fattening time of the year Good morning everyone. You found Financial Food Thought. You got Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell. Post-Thanksgiving Carrie. Uh, it's truly the most fattening time of the year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The food is so good. Mm-hmm. The treats, the cookies. I'm right. terrible at this time of year. But uh, did you do any uh, shopping over uh, the You know what? I just weekend? I was out of I was in North Carolina and my daughter just wanted to go to one store, Bath and Body Works, because she had a gift card. That was it. I don't like it was already crowded. The stores were warm. No, thank you. Okay. I did do online shopping though. Over yeah. The so we'll talk a little bit about that financially. So this is financial food for thought. And so how did, it's, it's really no longer just about Black Friday and Cyber Monday, right? I mean, for the, for, not that we have any millennials listening to us anyways, but, you know, and if, if any are, I mean, and originally, Carrie, they were that's just the two days, right? Right. You know, Black Friday, we'd get up at 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, go stand in line. Right. Outside in the cold to get the door busters, right? Then... Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday course came in a little bit later, and, and you know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, my I tell my kids, you know, they don't know anything about Cyber Monday. I said, well, yeah, in the beginning, it was because we didn't have internet at home when the internet first came right. out. It would have been way too expensive. Or it was the dial-up, and it kept crashing. Even and it before was that, I was going to say, I remember yeah. the dial-up being so slow. Originally, the only ones that could afford it were the big businesses. So what happened was. Everybody went back into work on Monday. And did their Christmas shopping. And there were not a lot of work got done, but a lot of online sales got done. Mm-hmm. And that was really what sparked Cyber Monday. Now, of course, uh, to modern day here, it's really, they, they really call it the Thanksgiving weekend sales now. You know? I was going to say, or even before that, I was getting ads where, or... Um, the weekend before, early Black Friday deals start Monday before. Right. So it's, I mean. Yeah, so it's really from Turkey Day unt- through Monday, you right. know, the Cyber Monday. And that's really, and because it's just, it, it it's a combination now 
Remember for a while there, all the stores were open on Thanksgiving, and then that kind of... I was kind of glad they stopped they, they doing that, because I think, other than I did go to the grocery store Thanksgiving. Yeah, some, <laughs> I, I, not all the stores are closed on Thanksgiving, right, but, but I think I the think majority of them are. I think retail ones, and I think, you know... And, yeah, but th- certainly you can shop online on Thanksgiving, right. and so it's really that weekend. So we had a, I mean, don't look now, don't talk to me about recession. It was the strongest ever. In, right. In, you know, so what, so they, uh, so that, uh, you know, if you look at Black Friday, what they, they say it was 9.12 billion, Carrie, right? Um, mm-hmm. Up from, up 2.3% from the previous year, right? And still, you know, you know, you know, maybe not a pre-dent, pre-pandemic levels, but still very good. How about Cyber Monday? Uh, it did eleven point three billion, even more than right. Black Friday, right? Up five point eight percent. And I would say I'm probably in that cap. I'm probably doing more Christmas shopping online than I ever had in the past, Carrie. I don't, you know, that's just mm-hmm. you, you know me personally. But they, uh, you know, and then of course, Amazon. They said they don't publish their numbers exactly, but they publish their results. And they said over their Thanksgiving weekend, let's call it, it was the biggest ever um, over the five days. And they were very happy about it. And especially, you know, that's the new small business now. Right. It's these mom and pop shots that sell their wares. On, on Amazon, Amazon on right? Amazon Prime, whatever, right? Because you can even look for; they'll even advertise that it's a small business, right? And they, uh, they their sales this year were over one billion. Wow. Okay. Um, so now it, they say about 197 million Americans went shopping. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I a- believe it because the crowd. Average per <laughs> shopper, Carrie. You want to take a guess? How much they spent? Average per shopper. Three hundred, Carrie. You're right on three hundred twenty-five dollars. You knew that number. No, Are you I cheating? Did not. I okay, just... three hundred twenty-five dollars was the average. Um, I think that's what I just spent on myself, Carrie. I don't know, but no. I'm just thinking about how I saw people. Here, I have my one little bag where I saw people with multiple bags coming out of the mall. Okay, so then that's up eight percent from the previous year, still below pre-pandemic level which was about three hundred and sixty two dollars. Yeah, but with inflation worries and market volatility. It's shocking. I, 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 right. It's absolutely shocking. Now they did say credit card sales were up. Uh, yeah. So, you know, people are financing fine. Christmas. That's not a good trend right. if we're in a gonna, rising unless interest they're rate. gonna pay it off. Right. I mean that's true. I mean I do well, my, obviously I do everything on credit card for points. Well online obviously you're right. using a credit card absolutely. when you're buying online. Um, I don't think many people. I mean, I, I rarely carry cash. They say so that the, now that Thanksgiving weekend, that five day, accounts for about one half of all Christmas buying. Okay. Now, would you agree with that, Carrie? Personally, personally, no. I wait until the last minute. Yeah, I think I'm probably there. Okay, I, I'm not I think even not close. by now. I think probably this five days right. between the the sales and the online. It's so easy online because the online kind of forces you to right. go a little bit earlier. So yeah, make sure I know it's I should, right, which time. I do online, but then I'm I'm limited choices by what can be delivered prime next day. Yeah, but the, the prime end. next day is a is a fallacy, Carrie. It's rarely do. I mean, I I get for I, some things. Right. If it's a very common thing, if it's in the warehouse down at the corner, right? You know, but um, that's what I'm saying. My gift, my my gift giving may be limited based on delivery date at that point. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Or yeah. I waited to the and I've been known for my parents or my kids. Now that they're older, cut a picture of something and sticking in a box yeah, if it's been go. delayed. Right. Yeah. So, 
So anyway, so but again, overall, I think it, you know it shows that U.S. spending is up, is strong, with all the talk of the recession, and we're going to talk a little bit about a lot about that. We're a lot of economic data this week. We also had a lot of Fed speak mm-hmm. this week. You saw the markets. We're taping the show on Friday. And we, you know we had the the strong job market, you know the the job report come out this morning, beating expectations, and that was that's the good news, bad news, right? right? Because you you saw that that means then that the Federal Reserve has more work to do, meaning that they're probably going to continue to raise interest rates. That spooks Wall Street, right? And you saw the stocks early down big mm-hmm. on that on that news. So it's the good news, bad news syndrome that we're having right now. Um, but we'll talk more about that. Get but a start. Also, oh, Mark, I wanted to mention when you're talking about the record sale, also that um, Giving Tuesday had record breaking numbers with 3.1 billion donated to charity. Yeah, that's you know, you know, and that exceeded. That was a twenty three percent increase from last year, and they did not expect that at all. Yeah. So that tells you how generous Americans are, right? Even um, going into re- right. even, even the threat of going to recession, and I wonder what's driving that, Carrie. Or I, mean, I don't know. Maybe is it's it just getting more? Just is, a, is it just better? At, I mean, is it more? I mean. The ta- well, granted, you get the ta- for some people you're going to get the tax planning end of it. Maybe you know, give it to the charity versus right. the government. But at the same time, I think that just Americans in general, even with all this, maybe everybody's just trying to be kinder. Let's hope. I'd yeah. like to think I that, mean, or just yeah. more generous. But I'm just, I wonder what's getting the word out. You know that I don't know. I, I got no, bombarded with emails from any every and all charities to remind you to. Yeah, you think, that's what I'm saying. Are, are those working? And, um, that's and I think like financially, even if you can't, you can certainly, you know, donate your time, you can donate goods, donations, things. So there's a lot of things that people can do if you can't financially. But that was a huge surprise. Yeah, that was, you know, I, and, and, and the whole thing is a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what people were concerned. Well, concerned, well, concerned or, or about wondering your- about, you know, would we see a drop off in consumer spending? Mm-hmm. Because of the downturn or in the market this year, higher inflation or the pending recession. And that amount of charitable gifting when people are worried about themselves. Yeah. Or, but it's yeah. good. It, in that aspect, it's good news and, I guess, goodwill toward all men, I guess, you know. Yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, that's wonderful. And and the charities are certainly going to need it if we oh, do go absolutely. into recession. Um, all right, Carrie, get All started. right. Well, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We are here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. And we're a financial educational talk program sponsored by the estate planning team, who is an Ohio registered fiduciary fee-based planning firm that offers affordable hourly and affordable comprehensive fees. And what we do is custom financial planning, objective, unbiased number crunching so that people, whether you're working or in retirement, know what strategies to use, steps to take, how to create future tax-efficient income, use opportunities, avoid problems, and address issues that you're concerned about through financial modeling and making different choices and making you inf- making you aware of informed decisions through analysis so you understand how decisions today can affect the long-term outcome and also 
Uh, this time of year, we've been talking about for our clients looking at year-end planning opportunities, which we're um, getting close to deadlines for that. But what are steps you can take between now and the end of the year that can put you in a better financial position? Um, we've been around more than 35 years. We're accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau. You can check out our reviews on Google, Angie's List too, and the Better Business Bureau. We offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation, which we're happy to do by phone or in person wanted to say that we're also scheduling now through the end of February um, because we're getting full in December, although we still have some spots left. Um, I've already started getting scheduled between clients and um, um, potential clients in February. So you're welcome to call if you're someone who can't um, get on the schedule until after the holiday season. You can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. If you call and leave a message, we will call you on Monday morning. If you send an email through the website you or and through a contact us page, there's a free consultation. There's some incentives. You will get a response by Monday. Um, so if you take advantage of the consultation, we actually run some preliminary analysis, which allows us to determine if we can help you. Are you, you know, are you someone that's appropriate and can even use our services? And then what options and what we think we can do and how we can help you. And again, that's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So um, also today, Carrie, we, this time of year, we do a lot of our year end planning with our clients. And over the last few past shows, which you just mentioned, you know, the podcast, you can go back and listen. And some of the things that that we do every year, it, you get into what I sometimes we call a template. In, in other words, it, it, the idea of good financial planning is the discipline that, number one, you, you remain active. So you, mm-hmm. so you have to react or be active in volatile markets, which we've had no shortage of this year. But also, it's the concept that what you did last year may not be what you do this year and may not be what you do next year in terms of where you get your cash flow, your, your big ticket spending items. You know, you have to be, you know, active and say, okay, I, I just don't get into a grind that says, oh, I did, you know, I did this last year. I'm going to do the same thing this year. Um, I could give so many examples of that, including, by the way, if you're thinking of the estimated tax payments, are you on a previous year safe harbor or current year safe harbor? You know, and those things. Um, you know, the, the, whether when you're, when you're getting to your first required minimum distribution date, are you going to do one in the year you turn 72 or are you going to defer that and do two in the following year? You know, one by April 1st and one by December 31st. That's what I mean. It's, it's taking a look at those things and, and saying, well, I'm just not going to ask my neighbor what they did. I, I'm going to try to, you know, figure this out. What's best for me and my family. But so today I want to talk about, it's a very common thing here. A lot of times this time of year, you know, we have the client who they're saying, well, I, you know, do I have, do I have room on my tax return this year to take out some additional income? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that talk is maybe should I be doing a Roth conversion? Right, you know, a mm-hmm. Roth IRA conversion. So I want to go through a little template and saying, well, maybe, but I mean, let's before you just jump from how much of a Roth conversion, let's do a little, let's go through a little analysis template that you can do every year. Right. <laughs> and the decision what you do this year might not be what you did last year and might not be what you do next year. Um, but before that, there was 
tons of economic data, important data. I know this is, I don't know, uh, I just I want to just kind of go through this quickly, Carrie. Um, there was a lot this week. Well, okay, inflation. That's it's like always a good place to start, right? One of the big things that are uh, that are disrupting the global economy right now. Um, so we got PCE data. That's the Personal Consumption Expenditure Index. That's the Federal Reserve's pre-favored, pre, uh, you know, mm-hmm. rating or index that they look. They they look more towards that than, for example, CPI. But remember, we've already did CPI and PPI earlier this month. Remember, everything was it was a double win, right? Not only were the the latest months rates better than the previous months, the late you know on an annual year over year or twelve month rolling, it was better. And mm-hmm. it be what the economists were expecting, right? So it was a win all over, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is: is inflation peaked or peaking? Has it mm-hmm. peaked? Right? Is the federal medicine working? The Federal Reserve's medicine working? So this week we got PCE, and so how did that do? And again, Carrie, pretty much beat all around. So okay. that's three for three: CPI, PPI, and PCE. Okay. Okay. So that is that a trend? I would think so. Okay. Um, so for the month of October, the uh, the year-over-year headline came in at 6.0%, which was better than the previous month's 6.2%, okay, which was much better than June. A lot of times we thought June was the peak. In June, it was 6.8%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the monthly, the most recent monthly? That stayed flat. So that's been kind of stuck at 0.3% for the last three months. But it isn't getting worse. Okay. Okay. Um, now, uh, how about the core, which, you know, excludes food and energy? And this is really what the Federal Reserve, you know, because the Federal Reserve is the first to admit their their monetary policy can't do a lot about global oil prices. Mm-hmm. There's other factors. And same thing with food, which is globally um, somewhat, you know, dependent upon what's happening globally. So year over year, came in at 5.0, uh, better than the previous revised year over year of 5.2. And the month over month, the last 30 days, came in at 0.2, which was much better than um, the 0.5 of the previous month and better than what economists were thinking of 0.3%. So PCE, again, following that same trend. So was this now... The peak, I still think it will be a jagged peak. I don't think, you know, but, uh, you know, better than not. We also got the second reading on third quarter GDP, okay? Because that's the other thing is how, you know, are, how can we be going to recession if GDP is going up? That, that's a head scratcher, right? Because mm-hmm. normally the recession is when you have negative GDP, right? So we got the second quarter, uh, or I'm sorry, the second reading on the third quarter. It came in at 2.9%. Better than the first reading on the third quarter, which was an annualized 2.6%. So GDP running at 3%, and a lot of people are saying, that's why we're not going into a recession, right? Um, because, you know, the, we, we still see productivity. We still see consumer spending up there. And that leads us to the jobs report. Actually, we got the triple play payroll this week, you know, Carrie, right? Because it's the, you know, first of the month. So we got the, we got the ADP report. We got the, the JOLTS report, you know, the job openings and labor turnover. We got the weekly jobless claims and 
the monthly jobs report. Um, you know, the ADP, that's the new fangled ADP. Remember ADP? Yeah. No, one, I, no one even knows what ADP is doing anymore. So they said that was a big downside surprise. That came out earlier in the week, and they said that there was only 127,000 jobs created, and the, and the street was looking for 200,000. That was a big miss, right? Um, and they did say that, you know, pay growth was going up. Okay. Um, and, but they said that the manufacturing lost like 100,000 jobs and the job increases was more in the services. And that, a lot of people didn't know, like, where are they getting their data? You know, and I don't know if we understand how they're doing their new numbers right now. Because when we got the jobs report, the, the non farm payrolls, they, you know, they beat consensus. You know, the consensus was at 200,000. It came in at 263,000. Um, and the, the previous month was revised upward 23,000. Um, so that was a, you know, a big shocker. And, and, you know, unemployment stayed the same at 3.7%. Okay. Wage growth. They also said, you know, the jobs report also said that wage growth was up. The average hourly earnings up six tenths month or year over year, 5.1%. That's the wage spiral. See, that's good news and bad news. Mm -hmm. It's good news if you're working. It's bad news if you're the Federal Reserve. Right. Because, and it's maybe bad news for if you're a corporation. Because what that indicates, it could that lead to what we call a wage spiral, mm-hmm. where employees who are concerned and and uh, about a coming recession and the inflation are telling are giving an ultimatum to their employers, right? Saying if you don't get me a raise, I'm going across the street because they will. Okay. All right, and and the 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 we already know that it's we can't get people. You know, part of the. Uh, Part of the Jolts report that came out this week said there's still uh, 1.7 jobs open for every available worker. It come down, remember, one time right. it was two. It's come down a little bit that, but still very high. In other words, employers are still fi- finding it difficult to get workers. Mm-hmm. That's still a problem, right? Um, the great resignation, you know, and all that things are going on. So it, it's the idea that. You know, the good news, bad news is that, yeah, average hourly earnings is up 5.1%, but that's not going to cool down inflation. Right. Um, and, and, and the companies are going to have to continue to pay higher. That cost gets trickled down to the consumer and, you know, and they need the employees. Um, and, 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 and the thing too, the labor force participation rate ticked down. See, it's again, it's like, what's going to get people off the couches and mm-hmm. back to work? It's 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 a it's a very that's a good question. It's a very difficult <laughs> problem, um, and we have this inflation. So so you know the inflation. So maybe the inflation has peaked. You know went up like a right. You know and that and that's that was a great one of the Federal Reserve Bank presidents. I forget who it was. You know made the comment. You know the inflation carry went up like a rocket. It's right. going to come down like a feather. Mm-hmm. And you know it, it's we're not going to get back down to two percent. So if that's if you're building, so how you use this data? If you're building a financial planning model, what you might want to do is leave a higher inflation embedded in your plan for a bit longer. Okay, now right, and that's being conservative. Now maybe that's not eight percent. 
you know. Maybe you want to do six, five. Yeah, right. And then this year and then maybe back down the, the feather coming down. Then maybe maybe four the next year and then maybe in two or three years back down to three. And I don't know if the Federal Reserve is ever to get back down to their 2% target. Right. Or maybe, we never use 2% no, in our No, I was going to say, yeah. You know, I think that was, you know, too. And, and you know, we have this discussion all the time, too, and there's a lot of Internet talk about, well, that's not the real inflation anyways. It's much higher. Well, You've heard that. Because of groceries and gas. No, I'm just oh. saying even the CPI. Oh, yeah, because you look at eggs, you look at... The yeah, the, price of just certain products at the grocery store, it's like that's gone up well more than the yeah, 8%, and, and, more than 10 You're talking 20 30 in some yeah, cases. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying the Federal Reserve, or not the Federal Reserve, but the, what the government using is really understated. And, and and we can have that debate. Right. But you know what? Really, if why don't you calculate your own personal inflation rate? Right. Saying this is what I spent. And how do you do that? In yeah. 21, so you, and you, then this is my total spending in 2022. Right. And you can go as much detail as you, as you want. You can start with the grocery bill. You know, go back 12 months, what we were spending for grocery 12 months ago. What are you spending for groceries now? Calculate the difference. That's your personal mm-hmm. inflation rate. You could do that same with your utilities, your real estate taxes, your gasoline, whatever. And there you don't have to debate anymore which CPI or PCE or any other inflation factor because you've calculated your own. And maybe that's the most important one. Right. All right. Um, but some of the comments that Fed Powell did and and this is you know he had some strong comments um because you know the the thing was he he gave kind of mixed signals so he talked before we got the jobs report on friday and what he was saying is you know the time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as december meeting mr powell said okay um he also said ongoing increases will be appropriate, and, and what matters most is the level rates ultimately rise and how long they remain elevated uh, for change. Um, despite some promising developments, we have a long way to go in restoring price stability. Mm-hmm. All right? Don't fight the Fed, right? Um, you know, he also went on to say it is likely that restoring price stability will require holding policy at a restrictive level for some time. We will stay the course until the job is done. Um, down months in the data have often been followed by renewed increases. That's the jagged peak that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. You know, one month's data, they don't change the direction. Um, so it, it, it's... It, I think now, then we got the jobs report on Friday, the strong jobs report. I think so. The December 50 basis point rate is in. I think uh, it, this also, I, you know, I think the market is now baked in another 50 basis point increase in February. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see how things are going. Um, all right. Let's see. Also, you know, looking at. This is interesting, Carrie. Do, have you seen this? That actually, there may be enough Republicans in Ohio, in the you know the the House and the Congress in Ohio, that they can eliminate the state income tax. No, I did not know that. Um, you know, could they become the? I think there's seven states right now, Carrie, right, that have no income tax. Mm-hmm. So who know, everybody knows Florida, Florida, and and Texas. Everybody knows. Right. Um, then you've got Alaska. 
Um, Nevada, everybody knows Vegas, you know, Nevada, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, one of the most recent ones, I believe. Um, and then out uh, Washington and Wyoming. Um, so I think there's the eight right now. So could Ohio become the ninth? This was interesting. This is out of the plain dealer, right? Um, and, you know, since 2005, Ohio lawmakers have steadily reduced the state's income tax rates. Okay. Um, and earlier this year, nearly a third of Ohio senators sponsored legislation to phase out the income tax over the next 10 years. Um, while so I was going to say, where else are they going to get the revenues? You think that's a problem, Karen? <laughs> I'm just saying, yay, but at the same time, the reality is there's a well, cost to doing that. The cost is $10.8 billion a year. Right, but um, yeah, how year. are they going to? Right, so there's going to be a price to pay for it. Well, that's the issue. Do they cut spending? Can they cut spending that much without? I causing, would guess not. I think it'd be difficult in a recession. Right. I think they. I think every government can, in state and federal, can cut spending. I don't know at that level. Could they like build maybe a Disneyland that would get a lot of tourists in, like Florida? Yeah. I don't and know. Beaches well, we, got Cedar, and, we got Cedar Point. Can we can, can we keep it open twelve months a year? Yeah, maybe, and just have, um, you know, I it's like we should have done like the dome stadium and made more money, <laughs> like the Brown right. Stadium, like others, um, like Detroit did. So the the one possible way is that it would increase taxes elsewhere, and exactly, and that's the sales tax, right? That's the most common example is that they would have to increase the sales tax, which is. Again, which is, and I always say on this show, one of our estate planting axioms are, you know, the, the only fair tax for all is no tax at all, right? Mm-hmm. Because you could say, well, a lot of people say, well, raising the sales tax or a consumption tax, that's fair because you don't have to go out and buy things. Well, we all have well, to buy something. Yeah, I there, mean. I mean, some essential, our things are essential items, food. Yeah. Gas. Clothing. Some, yeah. And then they say, well, you can you not have the sales tax on those things. It's like, well, then how much revenue are you going to raise? Right. You can't put it all on cigarettes and alcohol. Um, the syntax is right. Right. Um, and, and other people say, so then other people say that a higher sales tax, and, and they also say the very wealthy don't care if sales tax goes up. Right. Because you're talking about when a car or. Because they're going to buy the luxury items, item right. anyways. Um, so it, it, it doesn't just hurt the low income again if you just increase the sales tax. Because um, the and, low income isn't probably paying state taxes. Anyway, and, so they're going right. to be hit with more taxes. And if you do raise it on just the most, well, I don't know how you would do that, like the luxury tax, tax, right. like a, you know, the yachts, you have to pay a higher tax. They could bring back the estate tax. Oh, that, yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> get not rid of the state tax, and then no, I don't think they'll get the. But it, the, the the high net worth <laughs> buyer can just say, "I'm not going to buy the yacht this year," right. and you know, because I've right. got my I've got my smaller but, yacht right but, now. But the you know, people can't say, "I'm not going to buy food." Um. So how much would they have to increase the sales tax? Um, I'm thinking by quite a bit. So how collected nearly $14.4 billion in general sales and use tax in fiscal year 2021? Okay, so, and based, so somebody did the math on it, Carrie, the fuzzy math. And basically they think about 1% of the sales tax brought in $2.5 billion. Okay. So using those numbers, if they wanted to raise the $10.8 billion by cutting out the state income tax, it would be a four percentage increase on the sales tax. That's a, that's a chunk. 
Um, so anyway, so we'll keep our eyes. And then, and again, the I don't think the local income taxes are going to look to cut theirs. Right. So I think you'd say that. But it, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. All right. Regardless of that, if you want to look at planning issues, whether you're working or already in your retirement, we might be able to help you and we'll do a free analysis to see if we can and how we might be able to bring you value and benefit. You can call the estate planning team for a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation by phone or in person. Remember, we're scheduling now through the end of February next year. You can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Any email from the website comes directly to me and you can sign up for free consultations. There's incentives and also sign up for the newsletter, which will keep you posted if there's significant law changes, any other planning issues that you should be aware of. We have a newsletter that goes out one to two times a month through email and there's no cost for that as well. And you can listen to our podcasts on the website as well. And that's financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Kara Waddell and Mark Donnelly here this morning. All right. Now, just a, c- a couple more points. The So I did hear one analyst on Blueberry. Her name was Tiffany Wilding, Carrie, And she had a pretty interesting take on that surprisingly upside um, surprise on the jobs report. And it kind of took a lot of air out of the balloon. Okay. On the good news end of it. And what she, cause she looked under the hood a little bit. Right. And what she said was that it, the survey response this time around was one of the lowest ever. Okay. And like going back to like 1990s and she's been looking at this, right? And she said, so historically, when the survey response rate is low, it tends to give you false readings. Okay. All right. And it it may indicate a major shift in the U.S. economy that's really not there. Okay. All right. That's why a lot, you know, there's always revisions. Right. right? And, and Which so- I would just wait till they have good data instead of giving you... Yeah. Preliminary, I guess it's not that accurate. Why don't you just wait until you have accurate data to present it? Because one of the things that really raised eyebrows in this morning's jobs report was how much the labor, how much the the hourly wage went up. Right. You know, 5.1% annually. That's a huge jump. And that is going to, that's what the Federal Reserve is concerned about, you know, is a too strong of a labor market. In other words. That's so funny, too strong. Yeah, it's I the good news, bad that, news, right? right. But it's you know, and because the Fed's trying to do their immaculate disinflation, right? You right. know, they're trying to say, can we get inflation down without causing a huge deep recession? The thing we worry about in recessions are people get laid off, right? And also, that doesn't happen immediately, right? In past recessions, it's a very in the beginning of it, it's a slow, very linear decline in wages or right. jobs, right? Until, Carrie, the bottom falls out, mm-hmm. and that's when the pain begins. And then that's usually a quick drop. We have major layoffs real quickly, and then it's too late, right? So so it, it, it's, so it's that's what, you know, so the, I don't know if the Federal Reserve is going to be able to, you know, complete their immaculate disinflation project, you know, the soft landing. And also, but maybe this this high wage, you know, wage growth report this month, maybe that's a little bit off, 
because there this lack of a, people's you know I, why was the server response low? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But anyways, that maybe was they're busy working on. because everybody's overworked because people won't go to work <laughs> doing yeah. double duty. I don't know. Um, the people just you know when they call them up on the phone, they didn't answer the phone to give the data. Um, all right, so we're talking about year end planning. And a lot of times we try to kind of like give templates mm-hmm. um, about, you know, if we're saying how do you manage, how, you know, the, the idea of that financial planning discipline, right? You know, in other words, things that you can do over and over again, um, but what you end up doing this year might not be what you did last year and might not be what you decide to do next year. Right. The template's the same, but the solution each year could be different. Right. And this is what we found when, when we, when we get our clients after a few cycles of that type of thinking and that type of discipline, they really, they, now they start understanding how to really work a financial model. Mm-hmm. Other than if they just go out on the internet and do some, you know, do I DIY model and they ask them 35 questions and they get, a, you know, a 30 page report, they don't really know what to do with it. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it, so, so one of them is the idea that, um, you know, you know, do you have, you know, at this point of the year, are you kind of getting your year-to-date numbers to see where you're coming out in terms of taxable income? You know, do you, you know, have you completed all your required minimum distributions? You don't want to miss any of those. Right. And don't forget the inherited ones. And don't forget the inherited ones. Because I talked to ones. someone this week that said, oh, I still have to do that. I, I talked to a client this week, too, and, and he said, well, I didn't think I had to do, it was one of the new clients, and he said, I didn't think I had to do RMDs because I'm still working. And, and 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 he and he was right. He's still participating to a four hundred one k plan. Right. He doesn't have a required minimum from that, but that doesn't exclude his required minimum from his IRAs. Correct. So sometimes get people get confused on that. Um. But the uh, so yeah so it's those things. But it's the idea of saying what they're what the client's looking for is hey do I have room to take out more create more taxable income take money out of the IRA and not shoot myself in the foot tax wise. Right. Okay. And it's it's that idea of saying, okay, well, yeah, and, and it, whether you know whether you're working and you're trying to get your latest pay stubs so your W two, you kind of can extrapolate and say what the, that's going to be final of the year. Um, you want to make sure. Also, this is a process of do you have enough withholding going on? You got your tax safe estimated right. tax safe harbors covered. Do you have to make any adjustments there? Um, could, if you're self-employed, you know, it, it's, it's trying to get your year to date numbers there, which you may have no idea what they were at the beginning of the year when right. you're self-employed, that's how that goes. Right. You can't just assume last year is what you're going to get this year. No. And I think for some people, especially in retirement, a lot of people last year in 2021, when they filed had big capital gains. Right. So 
They may not need to pay as much in if they're looking at their current year. We've had a lot of clients that have a lot less in income taxes because, granted, the year's not over, but they don't think they're going to even come close to the capital gains they had in 2021. Right. And that's, and yeah, and and that's what that was my next point. Sorry. Very good. That's okay. (laughs) It's embedded in our minds, right? right? Because this is the time of year we're saying, yeah, get your year to date investment income interest, dividends, and what you said was most importantly, or what can vary year to year mostly, is capital gains. And if you don't know how to do that, well, one, we're only talking about your brokerage accounts, your non-qualified accounts. Right. There's no capital gains inside IRAs or Mm -hmm. or 401ks, right? We're just talking about your taxable accounts, right? And a lot of you, they may have that year to date number realized gain loss on your your monthly report, Mm -hmm. your monthly statement. Um, or if you're online and have got it set up for the broker online, you may be able to query something like a year-to-date realized gain-loss right. report. If all else fails, you know what? Call your investment advisor and have him do it for you. Right. If you call them up and say, what are my year-to-date realized gain-losses, they're going to be able to tell you. Or at least I, you know, show you how to get it online, or right. show you where what page of the thirty-two page, uh, you, you know, this monthly statement that you're not even mm-hmm. opening an envelope for this Correct. year because you're so worried about, you know, what page it's on. Right. Um, now, a big problem though is if you're just in mutual funds, because if you're just in mutual funds, that's where even if you didn't sell your own positions, you could be getting participating in the capital gain distributions of the mutual fund mm-hmm. manager, right? If that's why so many taxable accounts, the investor has gone to exchange traded funds because right. exchange traded funds don't have that same tax rule that they you know that they kick out those capital gains. Um, that's a very and and again that you know that's a whole other discussion. But if you're using mutual funds now, a lot of people say, "Well, Mark, how can the mutual funds be kicking out capital gains this year? Because I've got a loss in my mutual fund." Mm, but uh, they can. They, absolutely, <laughs> they can. That's the double whammy that a lot of people forget about. And it happens. It doesn't happen too often, but it happens all the time. Right. <laughs> you know, that's where you know because what happens is, it, and you think of how many millions of people are in those mutual funds, right? A lot of them panic in a market downturn mm-hmm. and during the year they can't stand it anymore. So they get their money out. They call up and say, get my money out of that, you know, growth mutual fund. Right. Park it in cash. And the manager has to redeem and make those redemptions and to make the, come up with the cash to make those redemptions. They may have to incur capital gains. They weren't planning on selling. Right. But if they have redemption orders, they have to do it. And so that's why it's not uncommon that even in a year where you have a market loss from beginning of year to end of the year, you could still get capital gain distributions. And that hurts. Um, but anyways, so you, you get that. So let's say, so that's the first step is you're saying, okay, I want to find out what my year to date numbers are. I want to, I want to, you know, you, then you work with your tax preparer or, or a tax software and you say, okay, how much room, you, you know, do I have before my next tax threshold? Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and typically our clients carry the tax thresholds we keep an eye on. On the low side, that could be when your Social Security is taxed or mm-hmm. not taxed. 
could be we talked about recently on the show. You can go back and listen to podcasts about the zero percent long term capital gain rate. Mm-hmm. Okay, where how much room do you have if you're still in that? Because that's not a bad one to max out, right? Right. Um, could be the another one very uh, that we look at all the time is when you're if you're retired on Medicare, if your Medicare premiums go up, that's the Medicare Irma threshold, mm-hmm. the income related monthly adjustment amount. Um, where those are coming in on the higher level income, it could be the Obamacare surtax that kicks in at two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. of modified adjusted gross income, or if you're single, two hundred thousand. That's that three point eight percent tax on net investment income that you'd have to pay at that point. Or if you're, um, you, you know, self-employed or you, you know, one of the there, you've got that twenty percent deduction for business pass-through. You know that that came in with you know a few years ago. So, though, so you have all these arbitrary thresholds, right? But the idea is, hey, I, and oh, one I didn't mention, but which is the lower income tax rates right now. Right. You know, Trump's you know tax cuts and jobs act of twenty seventeen. We've got the lower individual tax rates at least through twenty twenty five. Right. So th- that's another one. You know, people are saying, hey, I want to use those while I have them. Right. So I want to know if I, when I get my year to date where I'm at, do I have room in whatever my next threshold is? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, and 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 that's the idea. So let's say you've done all that work, Carrie, and I'm just speeding it along right. because of time on the radio show, but um, certainly come in to see us if you, if you want more right. detail how you do that. But So let's say in my example client, they did all that work and they say, I've got $20,000 room. Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to, so I, I can take $20,000 out of my IRA and not go through that next tax threshold that I've decided I don't want to go through. I want to max it, in other words. I think, Carrie, a couple weeks ago on the show, you did the classic no-brainer. Some people come into us, they are in a zero tax bracket. Why would you not max that out? They're not even maxing out zero, right? Um, You know, anyway, so, all right, so a lot of people are saying, well, you know, and I just want to do a Roth conversion, Mark, because I heard that's a good thing to do. It can be a good thing to do, but there's some analysis that needs to be done. How much and for how many years? Yeah, and 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 you know, yeah, okay. But before you do that, maybe first. So this is where we get into the um, template, right? So maybe the once you've calculated, you 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 have the opportunity to raise twenty thousand dollars from the like an like an IRA. Okay, first, do you need it for current spending? Meaning in the next 12 to 18 months, do you have any big ticket items that you were planning? Maybe a new home or maybe a major home repair or, or, or do you have enough in your cash reserve? I, that's, I'm, that's okay. I'm not even there yet. No, I'm just thinking of just, yeah, you're on my step three. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, versus the, you know, because if you've got planned expenses, let's get those. Is it a new automobile? Right. Is it a bucket list trip? Is it a child wedding? That's, you know, something that, because if we do Kids go into tuition, if we, if we're going into recession and you don't want to sell your stocks low, maybe you, you let's account for you, those expenses. Yeah. You know, cause if you put in a Roth IRA, if you have to get it out of the Roth IRA right away, that might not be worth doing. Right. Especially if the market drops on you in the short term. Because now you're selling low. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first thing would be, okay, um, but let's say you don't have any of those things planned. Okay. Okay. All right. So then we'll get to what you're talking about. Well, how about your cash reserve, right? For things that are unplanned. Or just emergencies, a cushion. Emergencies. 
Okay, and of course, you know, we always get the comment, you know, Mark, I'm not planning any emergencies. You know, I always, I always have to stop and think about that. And I've heard that, right. sure, you've heard it too, yeah. over the decades. When we say, well, what about emergency? And then the, and the client says, well, Mark, I'm not planning any emergencies. Right, but everybody feels differently on what's a amount that you need to keep in your checking account for peace right. of mind. We've had people that is 10000 and savings. Other people are 100000 Right. Some people are more than that. But if yeah. you're really worried, yeah, and 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 yeah, the tongue in cheek there is well, no one. That's why we call them emergencies, you know, right? You know, no one's plans for emergencies, right? Um, or planning emergency. You, she, the, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't plan for an emergency, right? Even if you're not planning an emergency, if that makes sense. Um, anyways, so yeah, so you could talk about your annual spending gap. That's more what you're talking right. about, you know, in other words, and or if you're still working, and the, one of the things we're concerned about recessions is people get laid off. Right. So that's the idea. Of maybe you keep six to twelve months of your monthly take home pay. Right. Okay. Now let's say you're retired though. So your spending gap in a retirement is that monthly amount, you know, where your true monthly expenses, normal expenses, are more than what your fixed retirement income is, pension and social security. So the gap or the difference has to come out of investments. Right. Or your cash reserve, you know. So so if you're worried about a recession, you might want in that scenario, you may want to keep twelve to eighteen months of your spending gap in mm-hmm. cash or your cash reserve, right? Um so, you know, the, uh, so that's the idea of saying, okay, so if you, let's say you don't, you're not planning any big ticket items, but let's say your cash reserve may be a little bit low. So maybe instead of t- some of the 20000 instead of just putting it all in the Roth, you build up your cash reserve. Mm-hmm. Okay. But let's say you are, your cash reserve is fine. Okay. All right. Um, so now we're saying, okay, well, now maybe the Roth IRA is on the table. The conversion, mm-hmm. because you don't need it for current spending. Your cash, re- you've got your eighteen months cash reserve set up. Okay, now let's talk about a Roth conversion. Mm-hmm. And you know we we've gone over the you know why Roth conversions or you know and the idea is you're you're taking well one you're taking advantage of those lower Trump tax rates right right, right now you're using the lower rates two you're building a tax free bucket for that you can use right. later on if you believe the tax rates are going up. Um, also, it lowers your future RMDs. Any Roth conversions you do before RMDs begin lowers your future RMDs, mm-hmm. right? So you don't get caught in an RMD Irma trap. You know, right. sometimes we talk about that. Um, or you're you're also saying, hey, Mark, I don't think I'm ever going to spend my whole IRA in my lifetime because I'm mm-hmm. not a big spender. Right. I don't have extravagant lifestyle. I've got a nice pension or Social Security, and my RMDs are... I will never need more than that. So those clients sometimes are worried about what the tax hit is going to be to their children right? when the children inherit the IRA. So they like the idea of a Roth conversion because it lowers that future IRD risk, the income mm-hmm. replacement. Is then. In other words, if they're leaving a Roth IRA to their children, yes, the children still have to get it out within the 10 years. But it's tax-free. But at least it's tax-free. All right. Um, so that could be a reason. And, and, and again, a fifth reason is why Roth conversions now is because people are trying to make some lemonade out of some of those lemons. Maybe they right. see that their IRA growth at, in stocks are down maybe 15%, maybe 20 and they're just going to hold on. To, they're not going to panic. They just want to hold on to that because they think the market will come back. But what they do is they say, hey, I'm going to get a tax discount because if I move those over to my Roth IRA right now, I'm taxed on the value of the shares that I make the, the day I make the move. Right. Now I'll just hold that same shares of ABC company, but now I'm holding them in my Roth IRA. So when all the regrowth happens, all the regrowth comes back tax-free. 
Mm-hmm. As opposed it's a bigger to, win. As opposed to just tax deferred. Um, so, okay, so you're saying I'm now, okay, so those, so now you're saying, okay, in that scenario, I say, okay, the $20,000 goes into the Roth. Mm-hmm. Now, you do the same thing next year and the following year and the right. following year. That's a discipline. Now, there may still be a fourth option, Carrie. Okay. Um, so let's say the first option was you didn't need any more for current spending. Right. Or buying the car next year. Second one is your cash reserve is adequate. Mm-hmm. The third one is you're doing a Roth conversion. But then sometimes there's a client saying, Mark, I don't think I, I think my cash reserve is large enough. Or I don't really think I'm going to replace my 10-year-old car next year. But what if I do? Okay. What if that 10-year-old car breaks down? Or it's not worth fixing the right. cost. Or what happens if I do have you know a, a worse emergency? I'm not planning any of those emergencies, but what if I do have one? So they're on the they're on the fence, Carrie. They don't know if they should do it to put it into the Roth IRA on the conversion or put it in their cash reserve. Maybe they do half and half. That's one compromise. Or another one is you still do the Roth conversion, but you leave it in cash okay. inside the Roth IRA. Now, normally you would say, Mark, why would I want my Roth IRA to be have cash? Because what I'm trying to get my Roth IRA is to tax the much growth as I can tax free. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm saying this maybe is in a normal case. We're not saying put 100% of your Roth IRA in cash, but maybe just this year's, in this example, 20000 maybe you're saying, hey, because if you do need that, because that emergency does happen, you can get it out. Assuming you're over 59 and a half, right? You could get that. That becomes your basis because you're going to pay taxes to get that $20,000 right. over. So you can get that out anytime tax-free. Without penalty. Yeah. You don't have to wait to, the to five get the, years, to get but the, everybody yeah, says the five, five years. years is good to get the earnings out tax free, not your con- not, not your, your conversion amount. Um, so so yeah, so if you needed it, you could pull it back out. You're not worried that the market has dropped in the interim, right? That you're taking loss, and and that same concept here can also work for if there's somebody out there who's saying. Yeah, I'm going to do the $20,000 Roth conversion, but I don't want to invest in the market right now cuz I think it's getting I think it's going lower. Right. Well, you might put it in a Roth CD. Or just yeah, you're a leaving Roth it you're leaving it in account. cash, right? And the idea is it's now what we call dry powder, right? In right. other words, at some point in the future when you're comfortable to put the money back into the market. Or some other investment vehicle, whatever that is. You just take it out of the cash and invest it. and But at least it's in the Roth IRA tax-free wrapper forever. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the opportunity is. So those are so that's a, a good way. And like you're saying, Carrie, you don't have to do all or none of the twenty thousand. And I think it's you can cut, split up any way you and want. The Roth conversion isn't uh, the same analysis for everyone. I mean, everybody feels different about the thresholds. I mean, when you're running for our clients, running multiple scenarios, it, it, it's a customized approach to get the best result possible. And you can take advantage of a free consultation by phone or in person at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, go to Sean. Jacoby, we hardly knew you. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.